everybody. You're listening to the 11th episode of the Hipster Baseball Podcast. I am DeCarlo Calloway alongside Dorian. And on today's podcast, we're going to be climbing into our flying machines and smoking cigars with the best team in Nicaragua and ask, why do insurance companies hate baseball so much? So we're going to start our podcast as we always do, referencing the drinks that we are sipping on. So Dorian, how are you doing today, buddy? You know who doesn't hate baseball? I don't hate baseball. I love baseball and I love beer. I'm back to beer. And today I'm drinking a downtown sugar brown. It's an ale from a local brewery called Backshore Brewing Company in Ocean City, Maryland. And I'm trying to open this thing right now. Wubba, wubba, wubba. For anybody should have done this that. in the pre should have done this in the pre-production meeting. Ah, there we go. All over the place. So, anyways. Ocean City, Maryland. Let's talk a little bit about that. Ocean City is actually a popular beach destination for for those that live in the mid-Atlantic states like uh, Delaware, Maryland, Washington, D.C., and Virginia. And uh, Ocean City has about 8 million visitors a year for the beach, obviously. So, But Ocean City and the businesses like Backshore Brewing wouldn't exist without beach restoration projects. On that note, I'm going to ask you, DiCarlo, do you think that there are more stars in the universe or more grains of sand on Earth? Mm, that's a very difficult one. I'm going to probably say grains of sand on Earth. And you, you would be correct. And you can, have, you can have a sip because it took us about 450,000 years of humans on Earth to find out that the University of Hawaii actually estimated the amount of gra- grains of sand on Earth to be seven quintillion 500 quadrillion. I'm not making those numbers up. That's seven followed by 15 zeros. That's an incredible number. Coastal beaches like Ocean City are resource are, are very valuable. The properties, the businesses that are on there, they're also expensive to maintain. So because hence in, why after every single like big storm or natural disaster, you have like a lot of money that's getting pumped into it to try to get those economies back up and running. Absolutely. And sand is not stationary sand moves with the wind and the sand currents on on the beaches in maryland actually go from north to south so the sand moves moves with the seasons it's almost like clouds and because of that maryland actually has a a partnership now for for 50 they're having a 50 they're in the middle of 50-year partnership with the u.s army corps of engineers and to have them perform beach beach renourishment which actually helps them, like DiCarlo mentioned, it helps when you do beach renourishment, it helps maintain the, um, it helps perfect, protect against storms. So the first phase of this project, which was back in the 80s, was intended to, re- to restore the recreational beaches to a uniform 220 20 feet, 20, 220 feet in width. Back then it was 131 feet or for some fancy people, 67 meters wide, as opposed to the original 40 meters. And the US Army Corps of Engineers- Europeans, no, I'm joking. The Europeans, <laughs> Canadians, basically everyone but the United States uses the metric system except us. So uh, all the fancy people outside the US and the US Army Corps of Engineers does this beach renourishment every four years, or if there's any storms that cause a significant erosion. The last one was back in 2018, when the Army Corps of Engineers pumped pumped enough sand to fill 275 Olympic-sized swimming pools onto the beaches in Maryland. And that was about a $282 million sand dredging project. 
the next restoration is scheduled to be in, uh, in 2022. So what is, what is sand dredging? It's the sand in beach renourishment project is dredged from the bottom of lakes, rivers, harbors, other, and other bodies of water. But dredging is also a problem because dredging lowers the water table and pollutes the drinking water. Vietnam is actually going through this issue uh, as we speak. And dredging also destroys marine life and the livelihood of the fishermen and women who make their life off, who make their living off of the, the sea or the, the, the rivers, the, the lakes, what have you. So great. There, Americans go destroying the world again. Wrong. Wrong. Because this happens all over the world. The problem isn't dredging. It's the amount of dredging that we do and illegal dredging of sand as well. So, DeCarlo, what beach do you like to enjoy? Which, what beach do you, do you like going to? Just any, any of them. In general? Um, yeah. Damn, that's a really interesting question. Um as I'm thinking, do I like Pacific Ocean? Do I like the Mediterranean? Just a beach. It doesn't have to be your favorite beach in the world. Like, what's the last beach you went to? Oh, uh, the Long Beach out in Long Island. There you go. So, you know what Long Island Beach does? What? Beach renourishment. Everybody does this. In the south of England, beachside resorts import sand from France. In the Canary Islands, which are uh, some Spanish islands in the Atlantic uh, in the Atlantic Ocean, a resort on the Canary Islands imported sand from Western Sahara in Africa, which is still a Spanish colony in Northwest Africa. Miami Beach does this. Santa Monica does beach renourishment. Uh, Narragansett, Rhode Island. Narragansett. You know, that place as well. That place <laughs> as well. Also. Does. No offense to the Narragansett <laughs> tribe, by the way. Yeah. Them too. They all do beach renourishment. And so it, again, it doesn't matter where you go. You can't just say, oh, it's nature's so beautiful. Look at this pristine sand. The reality is that if it wasn't for beach renourishment, wherever you are, that beach would have been washed away a long time ago. And finally, for those of you who are interested in or work in national security, the communist, communist China has, has built seven artificial island fortifications in the South China Sea, which is, which is called, which are called the Great Wall of Sand. And how did, how did the communists do this? How did the Chinese do this? By dredging sand onto coral reefs, which was also used for, to, 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 to create concrete. And as you can imagine, a lot of that sand was dredged illegally. We're not going to get into that. But and these artificial islands, these seven islands are actually filled with military installations. These are not places uh, for resort. This is not the Hawaii of China. Uh, uh, Hawaii, China is, Hawaii of China is actually another place. But anyways, uh, so back to my point. Cheers to legal dredging that keep beautiful beaches all over the world that we can enjoy. Because other than that, I wouldn't have been able to drink or I wouldn't be able to drink my beer from Backshore Brewing Company in Ocean City, Maryland that also supports good american jobs yes shout out to downtown sugar brown wubba 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 now if anybody gets that reference you truly are old that's all i will have to say because that just dates us i'm not going to give it away all i will say is is that if anybody who can read between the lines video killed the radio star but anyway um so what i'm drinking i'm drinking another homebrew uh juice I'm telling you, one of the, the byproducts of sitting at home is that you sometimes start to look into your own environment and think to yourself, what can I do to make things a little bit more interesting? So 
I am in uh, cooking, uh, baking, and making juice type of binge. So I made the citrus honey punch, and I added a little bur bullet bourbon in it. So the recipe for the tea for you guys is you just have one cup of boiling water, four mint tea bags, a half a cup of honey, one cup of fresh lemon juice, which would be about six fresh squeezed lemons, uh, one cup of fresh orange juice, that's about three oranges, a liter bottle of lemon lime or sparkling, like lemon lime soda or sparkling water, uh, chill it, ice cubes, lemon, orange slices for a garnish, and also some mint sprigs. So I don't have the orange and lemon garnish, but I did throw in a mix, like a mint sprig in uh, my drink, and I'm enjoying that. So that's how I'm taking out. It's and also, it lo looks like a very tropical drink as well. Not, not it's still a manly drink, but it's very, uh, it's, it's colorful. Yeah, well, to me, I, I'm of the school is, anything that I have, being that I am a male, is manly. So if I want to drink a fruity blue curacao, it's a manly fruity blue curacao. I don't give a damn. But that's just me because I just, I just don't care. But it's very good and very delicious and quite very refreshing. So, <laughs> but anyway, everybody, we'll be posting our drink notes, of course, on our, like on the show notes. So for you guys who want to uh, check up on the recipes and also get an idea of, and also just to continue to educate yourself on the, the liquor that we're drinking, the breweries that we are, you know, consuming their beverages. So, of course, we also want to see what you're drinking as well. If you guys have some new microbrews that you are experiencing, because there's a lot of states that have their own varieties, or just drinking a nice uh, scotch on the rocks with uh, some ice, make sure you post your pictures on our Twitter, which is at 4040, uh, at HBP 4040, excuse me, and then the hashtag HBP drink. So, What's going on with the Nicar like with the Nicaraguan League? But also before we get into that, you know, as I sit back and drink my drink, one thing that I always, especially when I'm drinking, say like a whiskey, or a scotch, or even an Irish whiskey, something like brown dark liquor. Sometimes, especially when I'm hanging out with the boys, or if it's a special celebration, I like to have a nice cigar. And Venezuela, not Venezuela, excuse me, Nicaragua. I'm I'm bugging, but anyway. Uh, I've been drinking a little bit too much. <laughs> a bourbon, bourbon's been hitting you. Yeah, it's hit me a little Real bit. quick. It hit Real me quick. quick. I, you know, all I had was like, I had cat, like German apple cabbage, red cabbage for lunch. So I'm like, I, I, I'm hungry. But anyway, so, um, so yes, Nicaragua is known for its cigars as well as its baseball. So Doria, tell us a little bit more about the Nicaraguan Baseball League as well as the cigars that can be enjoyed while partaking with a whiskey or watching the baseball games themselves. Right. We're going to get into our flying machine. And right now, listener, we're flying down to Nicaragua. We're going to enjoy some baseball and we're going to enjoy a nice cigar for those of you who like it. I want to talk about the best team in the Nicaraguan Winter League right now, Tren del Norte, which actually means train of the north. And they're based out of Esteli, which is up north by the mountains. And I referenced this team uh, one or two episodes ago. This is an expansion team, and they have the absolute best record. They have 15 wins and three losses. They are just, just flat out, just destroying teams. And one of the, one of the reasons is that 
their foreign players, every single one of them has been fantastic. Uh, in the Nicaraguan Winter League, they have the teams are restricted to 30 players on their roster, and only six of them can be foreigners. And so if you're a team, you better make sure that the foreign players that you that you uh, you contract, they're going to produce. If not, that you're not going to be doing well at all. And this is how well Trenda Norte has been playing. Five of the top 11 leaders in batting average in the league are from Trenda Norte. The, I'm not even going to go all, I'm not going to go to every single category that a Trenda Norte player actually leads in the league. I'm just going to tell you the two categories where Trenda Norte leader, where Trenda Norte player doesn't lead, and that's home runs and stolen bases. And in those two categories, the, the second best players are from Trenda Norte. It's incredible what, they, what they've done. And we're going to be smoking, we're going to be celebrating Trenda Norte by smoking some nice cigars because Esteli in the cigar world is very well known for their, their incredibly top quality cigars. And, and, and there's a lot, there's some history to it as well. And uh, we're going to, you know, we love history here on this podcast. In the 10, 20th century, around the 1940s, uh, Nicaragua was actually growing Virginia tobacco. And the uh, American British Tobacco Company also invested in Esteli. So when you, if, if you love cigars, you have to go to Esteli, Nicaragua, much like people who love wine. Well, they'll go to Bardo, Bardo, they'll go to the Bordeaux region, uh, France, or if you love Chateauneuf du Pape, you'd go to the South of France or Sonoma, etc. If you love cigars, you need to take this tour, of course, after the whole COVID-19 thing passes. So when you go to these, when you go to these places that uh, do tours of cigar, You'll see warehouse after warehouse after warehouse of just the tobacco leaves stacked on pa- on pallets, basically up to uh, probably up to your chest size if you're, uh, you know, no- just normal height. And they store these these tobacco leaves in heat and humidity for at least a year. And that heat and humidity and just letting in the rest actually helps develop the aroma and taste that you that you have afterwards in the cigar that you put in your hand. And one of the reasons why Esteli Nicaragua is so well known and so have such high quality, it's not just because of the soil, it's also because after the Cuban Revolution in uh, 1960, a lot of the Cubans who left the island of Cuba actually emigrated to Nicaragua because the, the then right wing, and, and this is a great untold story of the, of the Cold War, the rivalry between the right wing dictator Somoza of Nicaragua and the left-wing dictator, Fidel Castro. One of the things was Somoza wanted to poke Castro in the eye, and he told, he told the cigar makers from Cuba, come here. He offered them incentives, this, that, and the other, subs, uh, subsidies, et cetera, et cetera. And the Cubans went and realized that the soil and the climate in Esteli was almost the same as it is in one of the great cigar, one of the great tobacco regions in, in the Western Cuba. And I will get to that in a minute. So the, the Cubans brought not only their knowledge, but the, the black tobacco seeds that they needed to start growing. And they just took off those, uh, those seeds, basically, that, that came from, from Cuba. And some of the more famous cigar makers are actually, again, in Esteli. Uh, Pappy Van Winkle are made in Esteli. Olivia cigars. My father's cigars. Uh, Rocky Patel makes cigars in Nicaragua and also a Hoya de Nicaragua. It's a fantastic place. I highly, highly recommend that you or you get yourself to SLE to take that tour because it's gonna be it's a, it's a beautiful thing. 
That's great, man. Yeah. It'll be nice when that, when, uh, like you said, when COVID-19 is over, so people can get back and check that out, you know, get some nice, uh, cigars, have some nice drink, be in a nice tropical area. And it's nice to be able to travel around and check out new countries, especially when they do have baseball. And one thing hopefully that we'll be able to see is more travel to Cuba again, uh, within the coming years, because for one, we know they still have the best cigars and also they have a great baseball league. So, um, what's going on in the Cuban baseball league so, so far right now? You, you know, I, this is all, again, like every single episode, we end up turning into a non-baseball episode. I've been told I, I am not a cigar connoisseur. I, I think much like you, DiCarlo, I enjoy the occasional cigar, but I don't need to have one every day or every week or even every month. But I've been told that the Cuban cigar industry is living off of its past glories because the communist government there, which is now led by, I have absolutely no idea, nor do I have any interest, for decades, they did not invest in their, not only did they not invest, they didn't have the industrial know-how to keep up the maintenance of the, uh, how to make the cigar, not how to make the cigars, excuse me, but it's just the process of the, of the cigar making. And a lot of the, a lot of the better ones have obviously moved over to the other islands like Puerto Rico, Nicaragua, whatever. So it's more subjective to say that the, the best cigars are in Cuba anymore. They probably, this probably was true 50 60, 80 years ago, but probably not anymore. Anyways, so these Cuban immigrants who went to Nicaragua, where did they come from? A lot of them came from Pinal del Rio, which is in the far west of the island. That is the most famous area for cigars in the world. Pinal del Rio also has a baseball team in the Cuban National League. And right now, they're in ninth place. They're good. They're above average. But what I want to talk about is a game I watched between Matanzas and Cienfuegos. Matanzas, every time I talk about the Cuban League, I'm all, they, I don't know why, but this channel always watch, always shows Matanzas. They were, they, they were the number one team for most of, this, most of the year. I think they're in second place now. This is the first game I saw of Cienfuegos. There is this 21-year-old skinny second baseman named Cesar Prieto, Cesar Prieto. He plays for Elefantes de Cienfuegos. I love this name. It literally means the elephants from the town of Cienfuegos. And Cienfuegos means 100 fires. I'm not a zoologist, but I don't think elephants are native to the island of Cuba. And I don't think this town is burning 100 fires every day. It's a, it's a bad joke. He, this Cesar Prieto is a sweet, sweet hitting left-hander. He's about, according to the internet, he's about 6'2". And DiCarlo, he weighs... 140 pounds. He looks skinny on TV, but he just doesn't look lanky. Cienfuegos has a first baseman who's very lanky, but Cesar just looks like small kind of, but he has incredible power. And his first at bat, he just, the ball just popped off of his bat. I was like, who is this kid? Sure enough, I'm trying to do my research on him and on this website called wordsabovereplacement.com. There's, there's, an, there's a writer there who an, an, an article that came out about two weeks ago saying that Cesar Prieto is arguably one of the top three second basemen in the world. I was like, oh, I don't want to take credit and be like, oh, I knew it before everybody else because I really didn't. I just randomly watched his game for, against Matanzas. And, I, and he's actually hit safe. He's hit safely 
in 45 consecutive game, 45 consecutive games, which is insane. Even though, again, we have to understand the Cuban League is heavy on offense. So it's a little bit easier, not easy, but easier to hit in the Cuban League than it is maybe in other leagues. But Cesar Prieto really, really impressed me. So I'm actually excited. I want to watch more, and I hope they show more games from uh, from Cienfuegos. So I'm gonna. That's another reason to light up a cigar this week for yes. Tren del Norte and for uh, Cesar Prieto of the of the elephants of the town of a hundred fires. Also, <laughs> it's a nice thing to light up a cigar because the Venezuelan league is being played. Okay, Hawking league. Yes, yes, it is being played. So opening day uh, was on November 27th. It was supposed to start in December, but they moved up the date. It's pretty likely there might have been a little political push to do that, being that the um, legislative elections are about to take place in Venezuela. And for those who are a little bit more uh, versed on the politics of Venezuela right now, know that uh, the head guy, Nicolas Maduro, who was the successor to Hugo Chavez, and is not really uh, recognized as the leader internationally. Juan Guaido, who uh, he inaugurated, well, but he serves himself to the office or something like that. He was the head of the National Assembly. But um, it's looking like Maduro is going to consolidate his power. So uh, this is probably a ploy to make it seem a little bit better. But one of the drawbacks to that, too, is that as we've mentioned earlier, previously in some of our episodes that Venezuela, prior you'd have a lot of uh, MLB players who would go and play winter ball out there after the major league season ended. But recently there were economic sanctions placed on the country. So only two teams within the country actually uh, MLB allows MLB players to play for them because they're privately owned. So we, it's probably unlikely we'll see any of that changing in terms of the economic situation that would allow for more Major League Baseball players to go and play winter ball in Venezuela, but it is nice to see the Venezuelan leagues back and up and running. Also, just kind of a quick side note on their COVID. So, um, for one, this is another big point. The teams only had two weeks to prepare. Like, they literally are going to be completely out of shape. That is, that, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's out of shape and dangerous, I think to give them two weeks yeah. to People just say, have, hey, run laps, catch a ball. Yeah, and, and one thing you got to also keep in mind is that athletes, there's an art to getting in shape and being fit for the amount of uh, physical strain you're going to put your body through. That's no easy feat. And even though a lot of people might sit back and think, oh, baseball players, that's really one sport where you have time where you can sit around, but the sudden movement of it, every sick, like quick moment, if you're playing in the field and then a ball is hit to you, you have to jump right back into speed and sprint. And then playing those long games, like there is physical conditioning that takes place and doing it over a long stretch of time. So two weeks prior to the start of the season, it's a complete rush job. And unfortunately, that's what happens when you have a completely top-down type of system where players don't really have any ownership or they're just doing it because it is giving them an income. And um, also – it's going to be completely no fans and coaches and players are tested weekly for COVID-19. So it's good to see it back, but of course it's going to be kind of also down. And also the Mexican Pacific league is being played also delayed, but it is being played. And uh, 
the T Aguilas, the, the Aguilas, the the Eagles. The you you Eagles. got you got to put your you got to put your hands up like the Karate Kid Crane. You got to say the Aguilas de Mexicali. <laughs> Aguilas de Mexicali are the best team, but a sparkling nine and one record. So, that being the Mexican League, now a brief word from our sponsor. So, I've recently heard. But there is a lot more electronics coming out in terms of your personal Walkmans, your radio sound systems, your new gaming systems, especially with the holidays coming up. You want to be the first in line to be able to get your top of the line electronic equipment. There's only one place that you can go to in order to do this. Crazy Eddie's Electronics. Anybody who knows, knows Crazy Eddie is no joke. My man is nuts and his prices are completely out of this world. And insane. So if you are in the market for trying to get your new PS5, or even if we want to get a retro Nintendo, if you want to get the new Apple over the ears headphones, or you want to get your old Sony Walkman, you need to take your behind the Crazy Eddies. Because for one, Crazy Eddies prices are insane. So now back to our program. So What's up? Well, I, I, I want to have your baby. There's somebody who has got you a little bit excited right now. Someone who has me uh, smitten, perhaps. I, 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 I'm debating whether I want to have his baby, but I sure as hell want his mustache. And we're talking about Juan Montes. He is the center fielder for the first place team in Nicaragua, which is the Rende Norte from Esteli. He's Guatemalan. He's from Guatemala City, Guatemala, the capital. And uh, this season he's hitting 345, but I'm not nominating him for my I want to have your baby segment because if he hits so well and he plays for the best team in Nicaragua, his mustache looks exactly he no 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 he looks with this mustache exactly like Dick Dastardly from uh, Hanna Barbera's uh, Wacky Races Saturday morning cartoons. If you don't know who Dick Dastardly is, I'm going to give you a moment to look up Dick Dastardly, D-A-S-T-A-R-D-L-Y. Was he the one he Jason had, Penelope pissed at? I, I believe so. Oh, and okay. uh, Dick Dastardly had his sidekick, the dog, uh, Muttley, and they also had their own spinoff show called Dastardly and Muttley in their flying machines. That's, that's, that's what we took to go to Nicaragua, obviously, to, uh, to be smoking cigars and, 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 and celebrating Trende Norte. He's, you have to see his picture. It is awesome. And actually, I watched the game a few days ago of Trende Norte. I think they were playing, uh, I think they were playing the, the Tigres, the Tigers of Chinandega. I forget who, I forget who they played. And the announcers were actually debating amongst themselves. It's like, how does he keep his mustache so straight? They were thinking that he uses product. And as a man that has a beard, I'm telling you, that is not natural. Of course, uh, Juan Montes is using product and you know what go him he looks awesome <laughs> and I want that mustache in my life so Juan Montes I want to have your baby hombre and I got some unsolicited advice I want to give to everybody out there so you know in life we got a lot of competitions we run and you know whether it be competing for somebody for a new like for a new pro uh, promotion at your job whether it be playing a pickup game of basketball or anything else. If you lose, just take the loss. It's all right. The world continues to go. It just looks really desperate when you're going to keep fighting against reality when nothing else in the world is demonstrating that 
you actually did win this contest. You just make yourself look bad. And you know what? It takes away from the beauty of sport because there are winners and losers, but the thing about losing is, is that sometimes you could get yourself up, retrain your strategy, and then come back a winner. So for anybody out there in competitions, especially you kids out there who might be listening, don't scream up and down or kick over the block set or take away anybody's toys. Just take the loss, lose graciously, and then just strategize for another day. That's all. And Carlo, you are uh, the Fred, uh, the, uh, I was about to say Fred Flintstone. <laughs> you are wow. uh, uh, Mr. Rogers of HVP. Hey, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> yes, it is. And I don't think we want these people to be our neighbors. So who, who, who we got going into hiding this week? Man? Oh, uh, so stay kind of going back to the topic of facial hair. The segment, grow a beard and go into hiding, a.k.a. the Federal Witness Protection Program. I'm nominating the entire insurance industry. What is the point of insurance? Everyone who's listening to this podcast, everyone who is not listening to this podcast has had some issue with a fender bender, with a broken bone, with a surgery, with uh, your home insurance it's always fighting tooth and nail with an insurance company to have them pay out what they're supposed to do. Who is also currently doing this? Minor league baseball teams. And there has been loads of minor league baseball teams that have actually filed lawsuits against their respective insurance companies. There's a big one going on right now. It was filed back in October 2020 against the, against the insurance company Nationwide. Why? Because Nationwide has refused to cover losses from the canceled season of minor league baseball. Minor league baseball had no season, no fans, no television revenue, nothing, zero. So here's an example. There's a team called The Wild Things. I love it because Major League Baseball is one of my favorite movies. The Wild Thing minor league baseball team is located in Washington, Pennsylvania. And they filed against, uh, they filed a complaint against the Cincinnati Insurance Company in the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Pennsylvania, basically saying that the property covered by the insurance policy, quote, this is from the complaint, has rendered unusable for its intended purposes because of the highly contagious nature of COVID-19, particularly when people gather closely for extended periods of time, end quote. This is also from the complaint. Quote, according to a study published in the New England Journal of Medicine, COVID-19 is widely accepted as a cause of real physical loss and damage, end quote. Now, insurance companies, it's not just the United States, insurance companies all over the world have been rejecting claim after claim after claim from, because of the coronavirus from every, every, everybody, restaurants, hotels, barbershops, stores, anybody, it, Perhaps a place where you work or used to work at or a company that you own has been rejected by your, your business insurance. It's, it's, it's awful. It, it, it's borderline immoral. Not to mention the insurance companies that are owned by other insurance companies who don't really have much money to pay out anything. And it's essentially almost a Ponzi scheme. So when you know there's a huge payout that's necessary, they can't even pay it because they don't know who the original source of the actual ownership of the company goes to. So yeah, 
insurance insurance companies the whole insurance scheme see it's fishy when you get deeper into understanding how it actually works when you sit back as a person say if you are you know your early 20s you graduate college you got a new job um you need to buy a car or you buy a house you're you know a young couple who recently got married you buy a house you get homeowner's insurance and there's a natural disaster that hits your house and being that you know there might they 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 look for any you know stipulation or technicality in order to deny you the coverage that you have been paying for all of this time and it's so terrible that people have to go through hoops and loops and you know do end arounds and contortions in order to get payouts from insurance but this is the business model it's it's a false sense of security and and when you do hope that it is there to help you in many cases it's working against you and what also makes it even more problematic i'll say this and then i'll conclude is the idea of insurance fraud on the part of the consumer that people are actively trying to find ways to rip off the insurance companies and so this this idea has disseminated in in society that you know a lot of the time people are only you know bsing about what's actually happening and they're just trying to find ways to do it of course there's always going to be your people who are trying to scam because you know a lot of people don't really want to work hard for money they'd rather work quickly for it and rip people off in order to do it especially if their moral compass is aligned with that but it really does hurt businesses it hurts baseball it hurts a lot of things and a lot of companies especially during this time when we need people to help help us out you know you need everybody needs a helping hand and it's you know one one hand washes the other even though maybe you know the insurance companies won't benefit in the short term but that consumer will who then will have a house who then will make sure that they use this this insurance company again which they then might recommend to other people so it's really a a jacked up system and situation that we find ourselves in currently It, it it's absolutely terrible because like any small business, minor league teams are basically small businesses. And on average, these teams that are suing have about 20 employees and they're about 20 million and about $2 million in expenses. This is a small business. $2 million sounds a lot for an individual, but for a business, it's not, it's really not. Now, one of these, re- and one of these restaurants is actually, it's close to home because actually one of my favorite restaurants is a Nicaraguan restaurant in Miami, Florida. It's called Enoio, and they filed a complaint against their insurer, the very famous Lloyds of London. Lloyds of London is always coming up with like, oh, Lloyds of London is insuring Jennifer Lopez's legs and Beyonce's vocal cords or or the air that Kanye West breathes, whatever. But Lloyds of London is very famous, and I I will talk about Lloyds of London in a future episode. But anyways, Enoio versus Lloyds of London. So El Novillo, the restaurant, filed a complaint in the U.S. District Court, the Southern District of Florida, back in April. El Novillo and their lawyers realize the pressure campaign the insurance companies are applying to both state and federal governments across the United States so they don't have to pay. And this is exactly, this is lifted exactly from the, that complaint. Quote, the state of Connecticut Insurance Department, Maryland Insurance Administration, and the West Virginia Office of the Insurance Commissioner issued nearly identical notices supporting 
the insurance company's reasons for denying business interruption claims, stating that the potential loss cost from, the, some, from, from, from such perils like COVID-19 are so extreme that providing coverage would jeopardize the financial solvency of property insurance insurers, end quote. What, <laughs> what these insurance companies are basically telling you is, I would pay you, but if I did, uh, we'd go broke. Are you freaking kidding me? Listen, could you argue that for your rent or for your mortgage? Listen, man, it's I would like, totally pay you my mortgage or my insurance or my rent this month, but that would really affect my bottom line. So it's like, sorry, well, dude. It's like Jimmy got your money, and Steve has your money, and John has your money, but I don't have your money. Don't come here for your money. I don't have it. DeCarlo, you know what? I'm going to propose right now that we start our own insurance companies. It's HBP Insurance. This is better than selling drugs. And by the way, people, we're you know not saying it's even better sell than drugs. selling drugs or, or insurance. I'm what? not going to say it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> but no, but let, hear, hear my reasoning. We should start HBP Insurance because it's better than selling illegal drugs. Because when you sell illegal drugs, you still have to provide a service slash product with insurance. Uh, coverages, you're not providing jack, nothing, nada, zilch, rien. All you do is continue to just gorge off of those monthly or every or, or by or by yearly premiums, and you never ever have to provide a service or product. The Carlo, isn't that this is a genius, genius company idea? I, I we should just move on from podcasting to, to starting this insurance company because this insurance is a legalized racket. And this is not, obviously, this is not an original thought. This is, it basically, if you don't, there are some states that require you to have insurance as a renter. If you have a mortgage for a condo, for a business building or uh, a home, you aren't going to get, no one's going to lend you money unless you have that property insurance. You, if you have a motorcycle or a car, the Department of Motor Vehicles is going to demand that you have insurance for that vehicle or for the motorcycle. They never pay out. What's the point? I'm standing right here, people. We're doing an incubator. We're starting HBP Insurance. Sign up today. Our slogan is going to be pay the premium or else. Now we're done with insurance. We're going to let our faithful friend Muttley in our flying machine <laughs> tell us that you listener can tweet us a picture of your pet listening to HVP podcast or flying in a machine uh, and they you know pets also love to sleep so even if they're sleeping send us a picture we're going to retweet any beautiful pictures you, you take of your lovely four-legged two-legged or winged pet our Twitter handle is at HBP4040. And remember to use the hashtag HBPets. That's H-B-P-E-T-S. And that is a wrap on episode 11, everybody. Once again, we want to thank you guys for listening. So if you have not done so, please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And give us a review. We always like to know what you guys are thinking of what we are doing here. So please feel free. Criticize us. 
any criticism is always good criticism, even the stuff that might be funny that can constructive criticism to Carlo, constructive to yeah. criticism. And if and if and if people want to send us drinks that they want us to try, they can do that as well. Yes, that would definitely be a plus. And also make sure that you follow us on Twitter at HBP4040. And our drinks will be in the show notes. So join us again next time for a brand new episode of HBP Hipster Baseball Podcast. Take it easy, people. Peace.